0: a hand. You got out of bed this morning. Come on. Yeah. We, you deserve more than that. Come on. Give yourselves a hand. Let's go. Come on. Yeah. We uh, we celebrate getting out of bed because we like to celebrate everything. One of our cultural values here at the refuge is that we want to laugh as much as we breathe and a little louder than normal. Like we want to be the people in the movie theater that people are looking at. Like it wasn't us funny, dude. Come on. Uh, we want to laugh. We want to have a good time. We Celebrate and uh, listen, like the days of church being boring and you falling asleep during sermons are over. No, I'm, I'm kidding on the last part, like half of you will be asleep by the end of today, let's be honest. Uh, but, but the days of church being boring are over and we believe that, that church is supposed to be fun, that God wants us to have fun, that God wants us to enjoy life follow him. That's, that's the hard part, right? As we follow him. But we believe that it's possible, and we, we want to have a good time. So we celebrate getting out of bed, for crying out loud. Like, you hope tomorrow that they celebrate you getting out of bed at work, uh, but they probably won't. And you'll think, man, Sundays are amazing. And we say, if Sunday isn't your favorite day of the week, then we're doing it wrong. So uh, thank you so much for being here excited for 21 days of prayer. Tomorrow morning, by the way, um, if you want to uh, join me at 125 North Warren Road, that's my house also. We have a little side building, so don't go to the house, but go to the building on the side. That's our church office. Um, At 6 a.m. so known as growth track in other churches, but my refuge is uh, your path in making this house your home, and uh, we believe that uh, we should let you know what you're getting into if you're going to join this body of Christ, if if you're going to join this house, and so um, week one today we're going to talk about my place, we'll talk about the system and the structure uh, of our church. Morning. We are beginning a new series. Say, new series. New series called Christian-ish. Christian-ish. Uh, typically, as we we're coming off of what we called summer at the refuge. Um, summer at the refuge was where we didn't have much structure, so we're slowly going to get back into structure this morning. Uh, normally, I'd want to do a four-week. The Refuge Church, Uh, and he pastors a church in Rutland, Vermont. He's going to come all the way down from Rutland, and uh, he pastors Mission City Church. They just built a how uh, they just built a building for their church, and um, he is going to come fired up. and And what's great is I surround myself with people that do things like building projects, so that I know that. Tell us all about it. I'm sure it's like having a baby, a grandbaby. Like you want everybody to probably send pictures and put them on the screen. And I'll just be like, come on, you're just pouring it on to us that we don't have a building. Like, come on, just, just get over it. So, uh, but you're not going to want to miss that. And then in two weeks, um, so the week after that, uh, one of our very own, by the name of Brian Harris and myself, are going to be talking uh, together about music and science and God and how they all go together. And it's going to be an amazing, amazing thing. Brian is the CEO of a company called Metrhythms, and they use music and healing the brain. And it's going to be a great, great week. So uh, I invite you on August 25th for that. Um, But today we start a two-week series called Christian-ish. I almost said childish. Let's hope we don't go there, right? Let's hope we don't go there. It's called Christian-ish. Um, how many of you have some friends that, or maybe you are the friend that uh, y- you get together for, for dinner, you get together for lunch, and you're like, "I'll be there six fifteen-ish." Does that sound sound good? Uh, you know, and, and so like like um, like six fifteen-ish, and then you're you're like maybe lunch. kind of where where the Harold family lives is in the ish, you know. Uh, <laughs> uh, we we uh, we got like I always tell my wife, listen, I, like you broke me and I broke you because it used to be when we dated, she would set the time on her clock in the car to be 15 minutes ahead of where it really was. So like if it's if it's 11 o'clock, she's saying it's it's 10:45 so I'm like, so then the reason she would do that is if she got there on time, she would be 15 minutes early. So uh, she has since stopped doing that. And now I'm like, hey, we're at, I'm at the door 15 minutes before we have to leave. And I'm like, hey, I've got my keys in hand. Let's go. Come on. we got to go. I'm, in the, I'm the first one in the car all the time. And I'm like, like you broke me and I broke you. I, I know that you guys understand the concept of ish time. Cause you think that church starts at 10-ish, but it starts at 10. We start at 10 a.m., you guys understand that? I've been waiting, all, like that's the whole purpose of this introduction right there, just to let you guys know, <laughs> but don't worry, I always get you back when we end at 11.15-ish, so, hey, it's fine, it's a, uh, we live in a time acceptable to be in the ish ish (laughs) like but this series isn't about time right this series isn't isn't about about being on time this series is about the standard that god has for us uh, and the standard that that he requires from us if you have your bibles you can turn to revelation chapter three you can follow along in the YouVersion Bible app. It is behind me on the screen. If you don't know how to get there, you can download it on your cell phone or smart device, your iPad, uh, whatever devices they have. These days, my kids will tell me what they are when I get home. Uh, but you can follow along in the version Bible app, and uh, we have all of today's notes. Before we read Revelation chapter 3, uh, verse 15 through 22, I want to kind of give you a little introduction about this part of revelation so in the book of revelation a lot of a lot of people a lot of christians like to run to it and say uh, like most of you will probably be disappointed that we're not going to talk about the entire book of revelation i'll get at least one or two questions after this series going when are we going to do a series on revelation because people want to talk about revelation because it's all about the end times and it's written by a man known as John, and uh, there's some debate on which John it was, because let's face it, there's a lot of Johns in the Bible. But um, some people call, just call him John the Revelator because he wrote the book of Revelations, and he was the one that God revealed these things of the future to. And in the first three chapters of the book of Revelation, he gives an introduction in Revelation chapter 1, but then in Revelation chapter 2 and 3, he starts writing specifically to seven churches known as the seven churches of Asia. Those churches, those towns, um, the towns themselves can actually be found in the country of Turkey uh, today, uh, which, which, is, which is really cool uh, because we have someone in our church that is Turkish so i talk to him often about things from turkey and we talk about stuffing and gravy and cranberry sauce and all that stuff just kidding i'm just kidding but the church the cities themselves are in turkey and um but the churches are no longer there and and i was talking to him last week and we were talking about how sad that is that the churches aren't aren't there anymore and um Revelation chapter 2 and 3, John specifies some of these churches. We're going to look, for the purpose of this series, we're going to look at one of those churches. It's in Revelation chapter 3, verse 15 through 22. It's known as the church of Laodicea. And there's a reason that we're going to look at this church and only this church. And I believe it's because this church... It is often described as the church today. So then let's see what it says about the church today. And hopefully we can learn something from it. Revelation two, uh, 3 verse 15 says, I know all the things that you do, that you are neither hot nor cold. I wish you were one or the other. But since you are like lukewarm water, neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. You say that I am rich. I have everything that I want. I don't need anything. And you don't realize that you are wretched and miserable and poor, blind and naked. So I advise you to, be gold, to buy gold from me. Gold that has been purified by fire. And then you will be rich. Also buy white garments from me so that you will not be shamed by your nakedness. And anoint, anointment for it eyes so that you will be able to see i correct and discipline everyone i love so be diligent and turn from your indifference verse 20 look i stand at the door and knock if you hear my voice and open the door i will come in and i will share a meal together as we will share a meal together as friends those who are victorious will sit with me on my throne just as I was victorious And sat with the, my father on the throne Anyone who has ear, ears to hear Must listen The spirit and understand What he is saying To the churches So over the next two weeks We're going to break down these verses We're going to look at the first part of the, of the verses Together today And we're going to look at the second part of the verses Next Sunday But I find this description as being super interesting that we are neither you are neither hot and you are not cold, but you are lukewarm. So I'll spit you out of my mouth, God says. I find it as interesting as I read, as I read a commentary this week, The word that was described for the church of Laodicea is the church, it's called um, the apostate church is what they said, what, what this commentator said. And so then the next logical question for myself, many of you are far smarter than I am, so you already understand what apostate church means, but I had to look up what the apostate church was. And I found it interesting that the word apostate means a person who has renounced their religion or political belief or principle so the apostate church is indicating that this church once was was a follower of Jesus they were passionate about 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 Christ and his mission but all of a sudden they became unpassionate cold separated unbelieving they became lukewarm Lukewarm, meaning that they were in the middle of things. They were Christian-ish, and when I look at the world today, and I look at I look at culture, I see people, and I see. Listen, it's not it's not our church. It's it's churches in general. I see people that are just okay with being a little bit Christian and a little bit like the world. And so these next two weeks, I want them to serve as kind of a warning, not just to our church, but to all churches, that, that it would be a warning that we, we don't become lukewarm. I find it interesting that, that, God, that, 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 that John never said which one to be, hot or cold. Now, I, I myself That he wants us to be hot because we like when something's hot, like, like it's it's got it going on. Like if 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 a baseball player is hot, then we know that the likelihood of them hitting a home run during that time is a lot better than it is if they're cold. So I believe that hot is where he wants us to be, but he never states which one we should be. He just says, "Don't be lukewarm. Don't be stuck in the middle." And I think of my friends that are. That, that have turned their back on, on faith. I've i got some friends that, that have completely turned their back on faith, completely turned their, their, their back on, on what Jesus has done. And I look at him and I get so frustrated with him. But you know what? John's not speaking to them here. He's speaking to the Christians that are just Christian-ish. That are just that are just in the middle. I never want to be stuck in the middle never want you to be stuck in the middle either. Our culture is known as a post-Christian culture. We are a culture that, that like when, when churches, when the church looks at culture, it sees a post-Christian culture. People that once were Christian that no longer are. And that's why the Church of Laodicea describes the church today, because it once was, but it no longer is. There was a uh, there was a study in, two years ago, and then another study that was uh, it was the same study done, redone in 2017. A group by the name of the Barna Research Group, a Christian group uh, that does. Uh, research Christian research polls and things like that. Um, they did a poll, finding out what the most post-Christian cities in America was. In 2017, Portland, Auburn, Maine was the number one, <laughs> number one most post-Christian city in America. In 2019, they redid that series that study, and we're going to talk about the study later on. But in 2019, the study (laughs) stated that Portland, Auburn, Maine was the number two most post-Christian study in America. And to that, ladies and gentlemen, I said, what happened in between? In 2017, the Refuge Church was started. We're making an impact, ladies and gentlemen. The study of post-Christian of a post-Christian world has me troubled. Number one was uh, Springfield, Massachusetts, in 2019. Study. Don't worry, I'm not going there. I'll stay right here. So, this, this, these next few weeks, I want to look at God's resolution for this post-Christian world that we live in. I had a big idea today, the big idea Today would be this Making a choice Is always better than being in the middle Making a choice Is always better Than being In the middle Revelation three fifteen through 17 Again, I'm going to read it, it says I know all the things that you do That you are neither hot nor cold I wish that you were one or the other But since You are like lukewarm water, neither hot or cold. I will spit you out of my mouth. You say that I am rich. And everything I want, I have everything I want. I don't need a thing. And you don't realize how wretched and miserable and blind and naked you are. The adjectives again, hot, cold, lukewarm. But God never tells us which one to be. He says, being in the middle is where I don't want you to be. So this morning, I want to look just briefly at how we can stay out of the middle. James 1.8 says, a double-minded man, James 1.8, a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. You can't serve two masters Jesus. In Matthew 6.24, you can't serve two masters for you will love one and hate the other. He's telling us you can't be stuck in the middle. You're unstable in everything if you're stuck in the middle. I would rather you choose one or the other. So this Barna Research Study... We're going to look at it for the rest of our time. Um, the, part, the, the first part of it, it said this. Re, forgive me for, for reading this. It says, to qualify as post-Christian, individuals must meet nine out of 16 criteria, which identify a lack of Christian identity, belief, or practice. These factors include whether individuals identify as atheists, or have ever made a, a commitment to follow Jesus having attended church in the last year or having not read the Bible in the last week, these kinds of questions compared checking the Christian box in a census get beyond how people loosely identify with themselves or affiliation to the core of what people actually believe And how they behave as a result of that belief or practice. These indicators give a much more accurate picture of belief or unbelief in America. So basically what it's saying is it lists all these things to get to the, the, like, do you really believe what you say you believe? Because in a census, all we have to do is check a box, I'm Christian. But this study itself... Based on practices of people, are you Christian or Christian-ish? I thought it was interesting that if you check 9 out of 16, if you qualify for 9 out of 16, then you're classified as, as, as post-Christian. But if you, if, you, if you check 13, or if you, you hit 13 out of 16, then you're considered severely post christian So the factors were these. I'm going to read them quickly, and then we're going to kind of break them down. The first one is, uh, do not believe in God. Second one, identify as atheist or agnostic. Disagree that faith is important in their lives. Having not prayed to God in the last week. Have never made a commitment to Jesus. Disagree that the Bible is accurate. Have not donated money to a church in the last year. Have not attended Christian church in the last six months agree that Jesus committed sins, do not feel responsible to share their faith, have, have not read the Bible in last week, have not volunteered at church, have not attended Sunday school, have not attended a religious small group. Bible engagement scale is low in the past week, and they disagree strongly or somewhat that the Bible is accurate, and finally they're not born again. Those were the things that, that, those were like, that was like the list that they went through as they called people. And it was like 22,000 people in each city. So it wasn't like they called 10 people and 10 people did this study. It was 22,000. Portland, Auburn, Maine had 60% of the people identify with at least nine of those things being post Christian. 60%. Now, the number one city, Springfield, Mass., had 66%. So we're not far behind, but we made an impact. And so this morning, as as I look at this study, and listen, I know that I could use the Bible, and I I I could state how, like, we should live our lives according to the Bible. I hope you guys know that. I don't want to beat you over the head with the Bible this morning and say you need to go to church. I want to use Barna's research to show you. Not just going to church, but all the things that he says. Because the things that they looked at in this study showed us uh, that if you identify as post-Christian, these are the things that they look to. So, if we're going to be Christian-ish, these are the things that we're going to identify with. And so I just want to kind of look at these, this list and ask ourselves, how are we doing in these areas? As Listen, as I, as I go over these, these nine points with you this morning, I want you to ask yourself, how are you doing in this area? Because for me, I had to do the same thing am I doing in this area if you don't ask yourself that question when you come into church then you're wasting your time and I don't want to waste your time my mama taught me to be a gentleman I don't want to waste your time it's like when when I was living in the in the 1215 ish stage (laughs) I I remembered a story this week about a job interview that I had it was a job interview ish (laughs) a pastor that was friends with my dad, friends with my with my family, that he was asking me if I wanted to, to become their youth pastor, and he was kind of looking at me to become the, the, their church's youth pastor. He lived about 40 minutes from the, air, from the place that we were going to meet at. I lived about 40 minutes in the other direction at the place that we were going to meet at, and I was about 15 minutes late, but he was there on time. And I'll never forget, I got there the meeting and he looks at me. First thing he says to me before I even ordered my drink, he says to me, he goes, Adam, when you're late and I'm on time, you're telling me that your time is more valuable than mine. And I was like, ouch. And so, um, I got my stuff together by then and I didn't get the job. Like, like it's, it's, it's valuable. So I don't, I don't want you wasting your time. So hopefully every week you come in here and it, And you're asking the question, how can this make me better? We're not, we're not a stand up, sit down church. We're not a church that you go through the motions. We're a church of application. And we're going to, we're going to talk about application in in, in just a moment. But, um, this is the list that we have to look at if we're going to stay out of the middle. Okay. So, um. The first thing that was addressed was the belief in God, belief in God, belief in Jesus, being born again, commitment. It was commitment in God. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the foundation of being out of the middle. If you really believe in God, you will stay out of the middle. It's that simple. Do we really believe in God? This is why every week, every week at the end of our service, we give a response time for people to to put their faith in Jesus. And if in, in, in some weeks it's more blunt than others, but every week we give a response. That is the moment we live for. That is the moment that we work up to. The entire week of preparation is based is is for that moment. My pastor says this. He said, life change happens in a second, but heart change heart change happens in a second. I messed that up. Man, he's gonna he might kick me for that one. Heart change happens in a second, but life change happens over time. And in order to for life change to happen, we need a system to happen over time. And so, heart change can happen in a moment. That's why we do that moment at the end of service. Because that's all it takes for your heart to change. But if your life is going to change, it's going to require a lot of time, and it's going to happen. That time is going to happen in a system. And that's why we have the system of our vision outside in the foyer to know God, to live free, to discover your purpose. And to leave an impact. That's our goal. Like, like the reason we do our weekend services is for everyone to know God. And for that moment. The reason we, we have small groups is for you to live free. We're going to talk about small groups in a moment. For you to live free. You, you, you find freedom in the context of relationships. Because if you're the only person that knows your secrets, you're in trouble. If your, your, our secrets hold us captive and if our secrets hold us in con- captivity, then we're not living in freedom. Do you get that? And so that's why we do small groups. Then uh, we want you to, to discover your purpose. We discover our purpose in my refuge. That's what we're starting tonight, today. And then we. Make an impact on our dream team, serving one another, serving the church, serving the community. And that's how we leave an impact in this world. So if your life is going to change, it's going to happen over time. And that's going to happen in the system that, that God has given us. The number one most important thing is for you to know God. For you to believe in him. For you to commit your life to him. Number two, the second thing that I see in this list is a prioritization of faith. Prioritizing faith is important. Your faith has to be the most important thing. Making faith important is not being Christian-ish. We say at the refuge, belief plus trust equals faith. So it's not enough just to believe in God, but you have to trust him. And the, some of the, some more of this list will help us with the trust factor. Number three, prayer is important. Prayer will keep you from getting stuck, ladies and gentlemen. In fact, if you find yourself stuck in the middle this morning, I want you to know, I believe that an hour of prayer will get you out of it. Just an hour. It'll get you out of it. Join us tomorrow morning for prayer if you feel stuck in the middle. Number four, the Bible is important. And not just the Bible, but it's your belief in the Bible. Is it accurate? Is it what it says it is? Is it true? Is it the authority of my life? And then after you answer all those questions, it's the application of the Bible. So, do you believe that the Bible, what it says is true, but do you apply the Bible to your life? Because, ladies and gentlemen, when you apply the Bible, the Bible comes to life, and you see it, you work it, you understand it, you believe it, you trust it, and it becomes everything that it says that it is. If we're gonna be Christian-ish, then it's okay to write the Bible off as just another book that we get good concepts from. That all of it all of the things that it says I don't have to believe all of it I can just believe the parts that I like That's hard There are parts of the Bible that I don't like But if I am able to accept the Bible's authority then I am able to accept even the parts that I don't like because it's the authority in my life There are there there are people in my life that I that I answer to They make decisions sometimes that I don't like. But because they are my authority, I do what they say. If you want to talk about America's problems, we could talk talk a lot about that. But we won't. But we have to identify the Bible as important. Our belief in it and our application of it. Number five. This is Barna. This isn't. This isn't the Bible. Even this isn't. This isn't me. Even, but number five is giving or tithing will keep you from getting stuck in the middle. When you give to a religious organization, what you're saying. Jesus's words in Matthew six twenty one, you're saying that the church has my heart. The Bible. Jesus said that where your treasure is your heart is also. And so what you're saying when you give to the refuge church you're saying refuge church you have my heart. You have my heart. Number 6. Church attendance is important to stay out of the middle. Being here it's a part of prioritizing our faith. That's that's why it's important. Going to church is important to stay out of the middle. Besides that, I've got a secret for you. We miss you when you're not here. We do. We sit there. I, I'm sitting here this morning, and 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 trust me, I I'm so thankful that all of you are here. But I'm looking in, in, in parts of the auditorium, going, Oh, I wonder where that person is. They usually sit over here. And I, I'm not. The, we don't like to be the type of church that people sit in the same places all the time. I I like to change it up, but. But I'm sitting here. I'm, I'm going. Where's you know that person isn't here this morning. That person isn't here because we miss you when you're not here. We want you a part of our lives. It's a it's a joy to do life with you. We like you. I hope you have other people in your life that like you, but we really like you. Look at your neighbor and say I like you. Look at your other neighbor and say not like that. <laughs> Number seven, sharing your faith will keep you from getting stuck. Sharing your faith. One of the questions in the, in the, in the poll was, was, do you share your faith? I find it interesting that they ask people, do they believe in God? And then they ask them later on if they share their faith. Well, if they don't if they if they didn't get I believe in God right, then they didn't and definitely didn't get I share my faith right. Do you share your faith? Here's what's great about sharing our our faith. It stretches us. Sharing your faith is more than just inviting people to church. But sharing your faith is actually having a conversation about Jesus. Actually having a conversation about what that crazy pastor said on Sunday. Not bashing the pastor, but having a conversation about the pastor. About what he said. Are you talking about your faith? Because when you talk about it, your trust grows. When you talk about it, your trust grows. Are you sharing your faith? Sharing will keep you from getting stuck. Number eight is serving will keep you from getting stuck. Serving will keep you. From being lukewarm. Christians that serve are in the game. Christians that don't serve are just fans. Cheering us on. Now, fans have a purpose. Fans are good. Like like the Chicago Cubs are really thankful that I'm their fan. They need fans why they do it. Right now, the Red Sox really need fans. But fans are, fans are valuable. But contributors are more valuable. And that doesn't mean that, that, that people that serve are more valuable than But it does. We love you all. But when you contribute, when you get your hands dirty, when you're there serving shoulder to shoulder, that's what it's about. It keeps you from getting stuck. Some of you, before the refuge came to, to Wyndham, you were, um, maybe you had been a part of churches in the past, and, and, and you had been, like, you were really committed in the past, but, but something happened at a church and you just got mad. And so so you kept reading your Bible. You kept watching Stephen Furtick online. You kept doing things, you know, on your own. But you weren't a part of a body. You, you, but at that point, you weren't a fan because you weren't going to church and, and being supportive. But you weren't a contributor either. Ladies and gentlemen, we need contributors that are willing to serve. And it's not about us. It's about you. To keep you from getting lukewarm. To keep you from God spitting you out of his mouth. Number nine. The last one. Is attending small group attending Sunday school or small group was a part of that, that study. We need each other. And what's great about about this list is when we share our faith. We can share our faith with someone. We can get stuck in a conversation that we don't know where to go. But then when you're a part of a small group, you can go to small group and you can say, You wouldn't believe this conversation that I had with someone and then someone goes yeah, I had that conversation last week too. And here's how, here's what I did. Here's how I handled it. And here's how I got out of it. And then you go and you can do the same thing because you're doing it together. We need each other to stay out of the middle. We need each other to stay hot and not be lukewarm. It's last week I heard an illustration. I used to, I used to hate giving sermons like this. Because they require a standard. I, 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 didn't, I didn't like to give standards because I worked for a, a micromanager at, at one time that, that I felt like I could never live up to his standard. And so as a leader, I, I, I just quit giving standards to people. Because I felt like I could never live up to the standard. I thought that other people felt like they could never live up to the standard either. And then a couple weeks ago, I heard an illustration that really allowed me to appreciate the standard in having standards. And if you haven't noticed, I'm a, I'm a baseball fan. So forgive the, the baseball illustration, but, but this is home plate. This is what home plate looks like. The, the the width of home plate right here Is really important to a strike zone Do you know how many inches across Home plate is in Little League? 17 inches, fellow baseball fan What up? I like you 17 inches Do you know what home plate is high school, the the width across 17 inches in college 17 inches in the minor leagues double A, triple A, single A it's 17 inches and major league ball players have to throw a pitch 17 inches across for it to be a strike that is the standard of a baseball zone, of a strike zone. But every once in a while, there's an umpire that likes that strike zone to be 19 inches, 20 inches. And when there's, a, when there's an umpire that says, I want that zone to be 19, 20 inches, what they do is they widen the strike zone. And when they widen the strike zone, players swing at pitches that aren't good. And then, when they swing at pitches that aren't good, the game gets long and boring. Some of you say the game is long and boring already. I get it. But when they swing at pitches outside of the zone, it's... no one likes an umpire that calls strikes outside of the zone. No one likes an umpire that says my standard doesn't apply to the standard. And what happens when we don't live up to God's standard, ladies and gentlemen, we widen the zone of our life. But God, when he says You are lukewarm. He says you are living outside of the strike zone. We have to get back to standards, ladies and gentlemen. One more. I looked up this week the temperature of lukewarm, it was interesting. Because there's different scientists, of course, you know, it's, it's objective. So different scientists believe that it's different for others. But for the most part, most people believe that lukewarm temperature is from the degrees of 98 degrees to 105 degrees. It just so happens that the human body's temperature is 98.6. God says, if you want to follow me, don't be normal. I need you to be better than normal. I want you to be better than normal. Maybe you're here this morning and you've never acknowledged Jesus into your life. Ladies and gentlemen, that is only the beginning of a life well lived. The Bible teaches us that the reason that we're able to come to Jesus as our Savior is because he lived a perfect life. He was the standard. And so when we call ourselves a Christian, we are saying that we are Christ-like because Christ was the standard. If you're here this morning and you would like to make that decision to follow Jesus, would you do me a favor? Would you acknowledge it just by raising your hand in the air so I could see it? Just quickly, hand up, hand down. Thank you right there. I see that hand. Anybody else? hand. anybody else I want to follow Jesus if you raise your hand on the card that, that you were given that we have you write your name down there's a place where you can say I'm committing to follow Christ for the first time or I'm committing to follow Christ again but I want to lead you in a prayer it's not the words that you say but it's the belief in your heart You've already acknowledged the belief in your heart by raising your hand. But I want to help you to confess it with your mouth, just like the word says. Say, God, I come before you. And I know I need you. Because Jesus was the standard. And he died for me. I ask you come into my life to save me to make me new and to help me live for you I want to follow you God I know that in my past I haven't always followed you I have sinned and I need you forgive me of those sins, to wash me and make me new. It's in Jesus' name I pray, amen. Every head bowed, every eye closed, we're not done yet. Because a message like this requires us to think about the way that we live. And I realize, ladies and gentlemen, that I don't always live up to this standard. And so for that I know that we need to pray for those of you that would say, Pastor Adam, I struggle with the standard that God has given me. Is there anyone in this room that would be willing to raise your hand and say, I struggle with the standard? I'm Christian-ish. Thank you. Hands everywhere. Hands everywhere. So we're going to pray, and then we're going to celebrate And we're going to sing God I come before you And I I ask Lord that you would be with those That have acknowledged That they need you They need to live up to the standard That you have placed in our lives With with your word God they're tired of being Christian-ish And they want to be known as a Christian Lord I pray that As they go to work this week, that their friends and their co-workers would look at them and say, what happened to you? And they would say, I changed my heart at church this week. And that when their friends are asked the question, is this person a Christian? They wouldn't go, they're Christian-ish. They would say that they are to be a church that that fire would burn so bright that we would be a city on a hill that cannot be hidden, that people would gravitate towards it and want to be a part of it because there's something different there. Lord, I pray that we would help each other live for you. And it's in Jesus' name I pray, amen. Give God a hand today, come on. It's God good.